2: Hi, I'm John McEnroe I'm Bjorn Borg. This
0: is Martina Navratilova.
2: I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm
3: Andy Murray, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Well hello and welcome to the tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. My name is David Law, a commentator for BBC Radio 5 Live and BT Sport. We are on the eve of the Davis Cup final by BNP Paribas. The draw has been made today and Catherine Whitaker from Eurosport is in Lille. And where are you, Catherine, right now?
2: Well, I was at the draw. I am now inside the Stade Pierre-Mourois, which in less than 24 hours will be filled with 27,500 people, as it will be for the duration of this Davis Cup final. It's the home of Lille Football Club. It is literally a football stadium that will be filled with tennis fans. Now, I am sitting in the now empty stadium watching the French team practice, and it is a French team that does not include Nicolas Maou. That was the headline resulting from the draw. What I see before me is what we think will be the doubles team that will play on Saturday. It's Pierre Hugues, Herbert and Richard Gasquet, and that is despite the fact that Nicolas Maou has been here, he appears to be fit. Indeed, Captain Yannick Noah has said that the decision was nothing to do with fitness, it was purely strategic, and poor old Nicolas Mahou and it has to be said Julian Beneteau who's currently simply acting as a knock-up partner to Herbert and Gasquet are left out very much in the cold and,
3: and I mean that is a particularly big surprise particularly about Mahu, isn't it because he is the regular partner of Herbert they've won grand slams together before and um, it's a very interesting, I, I assume, is it tactical or is it fitness-based? I know Herbert and Mahou pulled out of a match, ahead of a match, didn't they, at the 0-2, at the but I think it was Herbert who was it was, on It was a
2: back injury to Herbert. You have to think that they probably made that decision to withdraw partly, at least somewhere in the back of their minds with, with the Davis Cup final looming. And yes, OK, it was due to Herbert and he we presume will play doubles on saturday and when the announcement was made at the draw and it was a change to the team that was announced around about a week ago of course they can change the captains their team up until an hour before the draw and this was a change mahu had been in the team so it did take people by surprise but it was only really upon Analyzing the the numbers and the records of all the players, in particular Nicolas Mahut and Mahut and Herbert as a team in Davis Cup, that I realized just what an enormous call this is. So let's hear the man himself, Yannick Noah, explain why and how he made it.
0: It was a difficult decision. Uh, it's very uh, uh, the exercise for me was to try was to try to to really focus, uh, not uh, listen to what's going on around, uh, not much thinking about what happened a few months ago or whatever who won what but really focus on what's going on on the court in the present and uh, and Richard was playing really well the last few days and so was uh, pierre Hugues, and uh, even though in my mind it was uh, Julien Nicolas uh, it was obvious in the last 3 days that you know I had to change this plan and uh, and of course you know it's like the worst <laughs> to go and tell someone who's believing he's playing and Call him and come to my room. I have to talk to you, and this is the worst. But you have to put that aside, you know. And uh, even though we're friends, sometimes you know we have to make decisions. We're professionals. We want to put the team first, and this is what we do. And uh, I look forward to start playing.
2: So that the beautifully soft-spoken Frenchman, the French team captain Yannick Noah, they're explaining his decision to select Ebear. And Gasquet over Eber and Mahou, or indeed Julian Beneteau, um, fronting up about how difficult a decision it was, how heartbreaking uh, making that decision was for, for Nicola... Mau, the, I find it interesting, the adjustment that uh, Bear is going to have to make. He usually plays on the left-hand side, the left-hand court, when he plays alongside Mau. He's going to play on the right, playing alongside Gasquet. He admitted in uh, his post or press conference that that's going to be quite an adjustment for him. But he said, you know, I play for my captain, so I'm more than willing to make that. Also, Joe Wilfred songer has put his hand up and said he's willing to play all three days if necessary. So who knows if there could be some some subbing in on the double strump, but I certainly, you know, we have no choice but but to accept the, the decision and the um the very I suppose logical explanation from Captain Noah as to why he made the decision heartbreaking David as it must be for Nicolas Mahou.
3: Yeah. Uh, that that element of it is a huge uh call because david goffan is kind of the standout player of 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 the two ties isn't he certainly is a singles player although song has got to a slam final before goffan's the man who's just been to the atp finals and he reached the semis reached the final in fact and and was excellent um i i just wonder when when i heard that news i wondered whether actually what noah is doing whether he admits it or not is is perhaps Giving himself another singles option for Sunday, if it comes down to it, because I mean, not not to say that Mahu can't play singles, but he's nowhere near as good as Gasquet, and to be, to, you know, he he could parachute Gasquet in in place of one of the other two, couldn't
2: possibly, he? Possibly, but, but but and look. Yannick Noah obviously knows what he's doing. He's been on the practice court with them all week this week, and and we know he's not a guy that's afraid to make a big decision, and and the truth will tell on Sunday. But on the face of it, if you're looking for a guy with combined singles and doubles ability, why not look at Julian Beneteau? Well... Semi-finalist in Paris in the singles, fantastic doubles player. He would probably be the favourite rankings. He's certainly higher ranked than Steve Darcy, Belgians, second ranked players, 57 in the world in singles, very handy doubles player. I, I, I know that that would be a big call in itself and that would raise eyebrows, but you know, I think Julian Beneteau potentially has reason to feel a bit bit aggrieved as well. Though it, it is interesting that what I'm seeing before me is, is Beneteau helping out on the practice court, but uh, but no Nicolas Mayui has Jonathan Iseric playing alongside. Beneteau on the practice court so Nicola Mahu presumably backstage somewhere or perhaps back at the hotel feeling a bit sorry for himself
3: Yeah I mean it must it must be heartbreaking, soul destroying really I mean, and and uh, thankfully Mahu is the sort of guy who you know he's a team player and he's been a doubles partner for years and he's he, I, I know him a little bit from the circuit and he's just such a lovely man um, so of all people he's probably the one who wouldn't kick up a stink uh, uh, certainly externally and and, and to put his teammates off or to to cause an an atmosphere but it must be so hard because these, these guys, they live for this, don't they, in terms of their professional careers, this is what it is all about for them, but I, I'm. I do wonder on that Gasquet choice, and and I, I mean, he is the standout for me. He's the standout singles player. Uh, there's. I know that he hasn't been putting up results of late, but in terms of sheer ability, he could go toe to toe with both Darcy's and um, and Goffin and 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 be at least fifty fifty for me if he if he's on his game, you know. So I c- I can understand it from that perspective, but I'm still surprised. I, I still wouldn't have expected it this stadium you're you're in just just give us an insight into what it is like because I, i've seen it on tv i haven't been in it it's it's where they held the france against switzerland tie of a couple of years ago isn't it when federer and Vavrinka combined shortly after that that little row they'd have at, had at the o2 and they managed to win the davis cup but i mean you've been in a lot of tennis arenas in in your last decade have you have you seen anything like this
2: I haven't, no. I mean, it is a football stadium, or rather it's, it's half a football stadium, so the better half of a football stadium. There's a big curtain, big black curtain, coming across half of it to create a sort of slightly more more intimate feeling, although it is absolutely cavernous feeling at the moment without any people in it. It's quite cold. But uh, add in 27,500 people and I'm sure it'll feel uh, pretty toasty in here. It's incredibly lit. It's going to create the most glorious atmosphere. I've no doubt about it at all. There's a retractable roof on the stadium. I, I have no doubt that that won't come into use in mid-November. But just FYI, if we do get a, <laughs> a autumn heatwave, you never know. Um, but it- it's... Uh, <laughs> I... It, it it's difficult to say without seeing it completely full i have no doubt that even knowing as I do that, there are going to be twenty-seven and a half thousand people in here tomorrow. I still have a feeling it, it's going to take my breath away when I see it and feel. You know, when you when you feel the the applause and the roars sort of running through your veins, that's when you know you're experiencing something quite special. And okay, the Arthur Ashe Stadium comes close to this for for size, but it's a very very different experience because the roof is completely closed here this 100 percent feels like an indoor stadium which arthur Ashe doesn't even when the roof is closed and you know arthur Ashe is very particular in its structure in the way that it's very steep-sided this isn't that this has more of a, a concert venue type feel and it's it's going to be something pretty unique I think. I understand that there were 29,000 in on every day for the France-Switzerland final two years ago, so I don't know where those 1,500 seats have gone. It must be something different in the way they've they've made up the stadium.
3: It wouldn't be lack of interest, would it? Because, oh, absolutely uh, not. I, I, mean I think that... they could
2: have probably filled it twice over. I get the impression they had no trouble selling tickets for this whatsoever. It's certainly not due to lack of interest but uh, it, yeah I, I don't know what it is down to in terms of media interest by the way the draw the draw was something I, I've never seen before I'm, I'm not very good at estimating numbers visually but I reckon there were 500 journalists inside uh, the, uh, wow. the sort of town hall it was this sort of Renaissance France type building where they staged this draw it has to be said it was almost entirely domestic and Belgian media the the international interest in this one isn't what it has been in some of the others you know the the one a couple of years ago when there was when there was Federer last year I suppose there was a a lot of interest in in Del Potro he's a sort of transcendent figure in the sport isn't he I think this one won't quite rival those for international interest but in terms of domestic interest I mean it's hard to believe that anything else will get in the papers in France or Belgium over the next uh, few days because all of those country sports journalists are in Lille
3: yeah Uh, actually you know even if I think back two years ago to the Britain against Belgium um, final in, in Ghent I've seen the pictures that you you've posted today on our at tennis Podcast social media accounts and I, I'd not seen numbers like that that I can recall um, at, 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 at the Davis Cup final a couple of years ago and personally I, I when I was there there were a lot of British journalists there but the, there weren't other nations other than the two and I think that that's one of the things about the Davis Cup, it's one of the conversation points at the moment w- with the event generally but when you actually see what you've seen today and the interest level it creates in those two particular countries, I mean, it really does take the breath away, doesn't it? It, 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 it underlines how how big a deal actually the Davis Cup final. So I th- And I think in most nations, but in these two in particular, Belgium have, have now built this interest level. France has always had it, hasn't it? I mean, the, the, it, it almost feels to me like the Davis Cup is a bigger deal in France than, than a slam would be.
2: Yeah, and the legend of it has kind of grown over the last couple of decades, hasn't it? Because amazingly, they haven't won a title since 2001. They've been in three finals since then. And I think all of those those missed chances have, have, have raised, have enhanced the legend of the Davis Cup. How is it that France haven't won a title since 2001? It's... Uh, it's incredible. Not that it wasn't a, a big deal before then, but it really feels like this is something... You know when you said on Sunday that Grigor Dimitrov had to win that match? You know, you, you, you didn't think about a Grigor Dimitrov loser who had lost that Tour Finals match. It kind of feels a bit that way uh, with France in this one. So to see... Yannick Noah making as big a call as he did today. Goodness me, it increases the intrigue.
3: And that, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because if if I remember rightly, in 2001, uh, I'm I'm trying to think. Was that was that Australia away when Nicola Escudé um, managed to to beat. Australia yes. on grass, I seem to remember, and 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 I mean, it was it was incredible to witness that you got Hewitt at the absolute peak of his powers. I think Mark Philippoussis and Pat Rafter were around at that time, um, and, and 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 France went into their backyard and beat them. So I mean, that was a big deal at the time. But to to be at home with this level of interest, as you say, I mean, two years ago or three three years ago, wasn't it? Federer um, winning his Davis Cup with with Switzerland that. They they still felt like underdogs in that in that tie, even though they were at home, um, because of the the sheer level of tennis and, and pedigree of Federer and Vavrenka. But this is different. This, I mean, Goffin and Darcy are good players, uh, and Goffin is a top ten player. But France are the favourites on paper, aren't they? So. I wonder. How, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that.
2: Yeah, they they are absolutely the friend, uh, the favourites on paper, but there's uh, there's a lot more to it than that. It, it, it's really multi-dimensional. This tie. You've got Belgium with the highest-ranked individual player. Then you have a second string player for Belgian who is rankings-wise pretty much nowhere relative to everyone else. He's 76 in the world at the moment, but that just has this completely out-of-nowhere extraordinary record in Davis Cup that's earned him the nickname Mr. Davis Cup. That's Steve Darcy. I mean, this year alone, he's beaten Kyrgios, Cole Schreiber. He seems to be a specialist in doing it in the highest-pressure situations, usually sort of in a a fifth-set tie-break. His singles win-loss record is 22 and 9 in the Davis Cup for a guy wow. that's
3: I, I love that. He's
2: 76 in the world at the moment, you know, that's not he, 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 and he's never really but I think he's been a bit higher than that but n- not a lot, you know, that's pretty much where he belongs rankings wise in the world but in Davis Cup something just happens to him and then you've got Pui and Songa 18 and 15 in the world but then you've also got the, the head-to-heads which are interesting in itself uh, Goffan has never beaten Luca Puy. Three and O head to head for Puy wow. over Goffin. Surprised Songa has that. a winning four two head to head over Goffin. Both of those two head head to heads, the last meetings were on indoor hard courts and they were both won by the Frenchman. Darcy and Puy have never met. Darcy and Songa have never met. And then you've got the Belgian doubles team, which on paper I think a lot of neutrals were going, Who on earth are these guys? Actually, they're a pretty hand- handy doubles team. They've beaten the Zverev brothers this year. They had a very narrow five-set loss to, to Seppi Bellelli. They beat Mer- Melo Suarez in five sets last year. I mean, that's a very, Who is very it? handy record. It's De and Bemelmans.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I know of Bemelmans from the, the tie two years ago against Great Britain, but I must admit, when I read the name... Is it Dolores? I'd never Delure, heard it. It's
2: Joris Delour, And I tell you what, that's quite a big call as well um, because he's been subbed in for Arthur de Grief who played uh, the semi-final for Belgium. And actually, Delour hasn't played on tour at all since the US Open and he's had knee surgery in the intervening pe- period. He had knee surgery in September and has not played a professional match since then. <laughs> So wow. he says he's feeling all right and practice is going well, but still, that's that's a fairly big call, I'd say.
3: It's a big ask, uh, but as you say, I mean, I, I remember now thinking about it when that result came through of them beating the Zverev brothers that uh, it was Germany in that time, and that was really something. And and that's an example of what the Davis Cup can do because, and that's why Ger- Belgium go into this certainly not with nothing to lose, but with. I would imagine a freedom, and uh, they'll they'll be looking forward to to trying to just spoil the party, won't they? I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. What what's the order of play?
2: The order of plays will open with um, Goffan and Pui on Friday at two p.m. local time, one p.m. UK time. Goffan, of course, opened up the final a couple of years ago against GB. He said he's. He admitted that he was really tired that day and he he didn't feel great about opening the tie, but he feels better about it this time. He said he feels good about opening the tie this time. And then we'll have Songa, who is the French number one here, taking on Steve Darcy. And then the doubles, as it stands at the moment, Deleur and Belmond taking on Gasquet and Herbert. And then the reverse singles on Sunday. But remember, changes can be made within the doubles and reverse singles uh, nominations, but only within the four uh, that each of them have named. So only so much latitude uh, for changes. But, yeah, it's going, be, it's going to be quite something. I mean, I can't see. I just can't see a scenario, David, where it doesn't come down to the doubles. You know, I really, I really can't. That's how, how can you see a way in which the doubles isn't going to be crucial in this tie? And if so, who do you reckon is winning that doubles? I, I
3: I certainly think we're going to be playing a final day. Put it that way. I don't I don't feel as though we'll be three zero to somebody at all. I think we could very easily come down to the fifth rubber here. And and yeah, I I, I could definitely imagine the doubles being significant. But on paper, to me, I mean, just the sheer fame and. Experience of the players involved, I would have thought that France would be the favourite for that doubles. But then I would have said the same about the Zverev brothers. So um, yeah, and Mer- Melo
2: Suarez. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, and, and, and it is the gr- it is a great equaliser of the Davis Cup. But and the crowd does strange things to players. I mean, it can. It can uplift them and it can subdue them. It can be too much Well, that's another thing about
2: Gasquet, isn't it? Songa, there is absolutely no doubting his ability over the years and his unique skill at using a crowd to to jeer him up, to a fault really, to to, to the extent that, you know, when a crowd sometimes isn't behind him or when a crowd is a little bit flat, that can really hinder him. (laughs) So I've no doubt that, you know, he he might still lose one or both of his singles matches, but I've no doubt that he... He will perform this weekend because he does when he's got a crowd behind him. Puy, Luca Puy, and Richard Gasquet have question marks against their name in that respect, I believe.
3: That's where Yannick Noah's impact could be vital because if you think back, he was the captain in 1991, he got Henri Leconte out of basically a wheelchair in order to play after having back surgery and and he ended up beating Pete Sampras and inspiring France to to victory over the United States then they did the same thing under Yannick Noah's guidance five years later and this is exactly what he's done again he's taken a a big long break out of the game he's you know I I think we probably thought we wouldn't see Yannick Noah in a in an important tennis role again really what with his musical career that he's he's made such a success of so here he is three times he's trying to win the Davis Cup over a period of 16 years Uh, and um I just, I, I, you've spent a bit of time around him. I, I've definitely spent quite a lot of time around him a few years ago. He is one of the most inspiring human beings to talk to that I've ever met. I mean, he, he if he decides to, to really turn it on in terms of getting under your skin and trying to motivate you, I, I can't imagine anybody better as a Davis Cup captain, to be quite honest. So I just wonder whether he's going to be able to, to do that with these guys and maybe produce the best tennis that they've ever played, people yeah. like do, Luca Pui. Do you
2: think we could see a, a, a McEnroe Jack Sock esque moment? Perhaps, you know, a, l- a little less harsh in its choice of words. It's interesting, you know, that if, if Yannick Noah does bring something out of, of Luca Pui and maybe even Richard Gasquet particularly Luca Puy, he is the sort of guy for whom a Davis Cup title could change his life and career because I've talked a lot, I'm not alone in how frustrating I find him because he's so good, he's so likeable, he could be this incredible tennis star I think but he's being a little bit left behind in the conversation. Obviously he's there or thereabouts, he's a top 20 player but he could be more, he should be qualifying for the World Tour Finals I believe. He is the sort of guy for whom a Davis Cup victory in which he plays a significant, if not heroic, part could be life-changing.
3: Yeah, it, it, it could be the making of him. It, it, we've seen that before. We've seen... I know that Novak Djokovic was a heck of a long, a lot further along in his career. He'd already won a slam by the time he won a Davis Cup, but it did provide a platform and a and a, and a bounce to the career of Djokovic that we hadn't seen before. I, I even think the same thing of, of Andy Murray in 2015. It was just such an amazing moment and there, there have been many other examples of that. The... The, the tie is going to be streamed live on the BBC Sport app I've seen in, in the UK. Um, it's going to get huge coverage in, in France and, um, and, and, and Belgium. You, you, you've, you've been telling me about the number of TV camera crews that have been doing all these interviews. So the, the, the interest level is, is enormous. What do you think, Catherine? What do you think oh. we're going to end up seeing? Who is going to win?
2: Oh, goodness me. I mean, just... Do you want me to just, tell you the
3: poll? Just what to results?
2: defer... Just to defer the question for a few moments, just filming this practice, I'm trying to count the number of uh, camera crews, but actually there's kind of too many to count. I think there are nine crews just filming this doubles practice, possibly a few more. There's a minimum of nine Plus, plenty All of huddles. The All they're doing is hitting the ball about a doubles practice on a on a Thursday afternoon. I think there's there's nine. the uh, The France TV studio is setting up just below me. I mean, yeah. Have I sufficiently procrastinated with the question? there? the thing is, David, with the pole vault results, and uh, this is nothing to do with how I may or may not feel about pole vault generally. These, this pole vault will have taken place before the picking before the draw was made, before we knew what Yannick Noor had done. But you see, that,
3: that's, where, that's where I've cleverly extended the deadline until about five minutes before the tie starts, you see. So there's still, as we talk now, although the, the, the vote has been going on for a couple of days and we've had more than 600 votes and the 62% say France will win and 38% say Belgium will win it's still got another 21 hours and 55 minutes to go. So, you know, you can still get your votes in, but we want to know what Catherine Whitaker thinks.
2: Do you know what? There's uh, Every time I think about saying this out loud, I I go, no, come on. And I look at this stadium and I imagine 27,500 people in it, the majority of them French, cheering their men on to victory. But after the draw today, I'm thinking Belgium.
3: Wow. Wow! Wow! Well, I—I I mean, uh, to me, Yannick Noah is—is—is going to win his third, um, and France are going to get the title. But I don't say that with enormous um, expectation. And incidentally, I got my maths wrong, didn't I? Because it's actually twenty-six years that Yannick Noah has done this over. Because it was ninety-one, ninety-six, and now here we are in twenty-seventeen. Yeah. Oh, crikey! I need to work on the old maths.
2: Yeah, I just can't see. I, I I I think David Goffin will win at least one of his singles rubbers. I can't see Steve Darcy not winning one of them. I I just he just doesn't see. <laughs> I know it it goes against everything you see on paper. Um and if it weren't the Davis Cup, there'd no be no way I'd be picking Steve Darcy to beat either Luca Puy or Joe wilfrid Songa, but he just does it in Davis Cup. He's Mr. Davis Cup. And then I'm looking at the doubles and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking the tried and tested proven pairing over this very, very risky pairing.
3: Yeah, well, it's going to that's, be very, very interesting. That's my
2: logic. I know it, 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 I've said it out loud now and it, it didn't, didn't feel great coming off the tongue. And again, I'm just glancing around this stadium and imagining sort of about 24,000 people shouting at me and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm wanting to retract my prediction.
0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, It's a a t-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
3: Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it
2: I know this is a David's Cup final special, David. But can we just um, take a few minutes to, to talk about Jana Novotna?
3: Of course we can. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, the one of the hardest bits of news I think we've 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 ever had really in the tennis world. Certainly in the last couple of decades. Because what was she? Forty nine years of age, and somebody that that I had chance to, to commentate with on BBC Radio a couple of times at Wimbledon, who was never anything but but nice to work with and and a charming woman and somebody who really touched the hearts of just about everybody who saw her Wimbledon journey regardless of whether you're a tennis fan because so many people watch Wimbledon you know and that's their tennis exposure really isn't it for for the rest of the year and people back in 1993 when she played against Steffi Graf and cried on the shoulder of of the Duchess uh, They'll never forget that because she was she was she played wonderful tennis that day. It didn't happen in the end, and Steffi Graf's a great champion. But she eventually got her her moment at um, the third attempt in 1998 and, and lifted that trophy aloft. But to hear that news was was really really hard to take.
2: Yeah, it it really was. It, um, it forty nine years old. I mean, it doesn't need pointing out that that's um, that's a horrifying. Age for for anyone to leave us, and um, I, I I felt guilty that her victory, that her story, wasn't something we we talk about or have talked about more. You know, you think of the the glittering and frequent way that we talk about Goran Ivanisevic winning in two thousand and one. Well, her her story, her that moment, the the visuals of it is every bit as fairy tale esque for me, and, and yet perhaps because of the sort of character that she was um you know very very understated almost shy type person off the court certainly very very unassuming that's possibly part of it but her story and her fairy tale and and those moments at Wimbledon should be remembered more frequently and and it's just dreadful that it takes something like this happening for for, I I couldn't remember the last time I'd I'd thought about that moment that's one of my earliest ever tennis memories I remember seeing her winning and I remember my mum explaining to me why it was so emotional I remember my mum being a bit emotional it was before I really got into tennis and she explained to me why it was such a fairy tale she said about her crying on the duchess's shoulder and I, I suddenly got it you know something a light turned on and I understood you know what sport could be Um, and uh, oh it's just it's just desperately sad it's desperately sad she was at Wimbledon this year I I don't know in what capacity I don't think she was uh, uh, working for any UK broadcasters. not that I can remember but she she certainly was there Joe Jury was on uh, Five Live paying tribute to her um, a few days ago, and she said she'd seen her at Wimbledon, and nobody really had any inkling of uh, of how ill she was or would soon be. So it's just desperately sad.
3: Yeah, uh, and I certainly didn't know anything about the fact that she was unwell. J- just as a, a as a final point, y- you you rightly point out that that we as as a podcast and. And the media, and the, and we as an industry, and as as viewers and listeners and consumers of the sport, I don't think we have really paid enough tribute until this point to to, to what she accomplished and to, to to the level to which she moved everybody in that in those years when she was trying to win Wimbledon and subsequently did. What I would say is, when the news came out that she'd passed. Everybody remembered it. They, they didn't need to see the pictures again, although there was a, a fantastic montage put together showing everybody if they didn't know. But everybody who saw it at the time remembered it instantly, it seemed to me, regardless of whether they were working in tennis or not. So many people that work in the general media or even people that just, you know... I was talking to my mum about it and, and she she didn't really follow tennis back then. It's, a, it's quite a long time ago she remembered it so well. And um, yeah, we we've, we we obviously feel very very sad and sorry, and um, and and that's all we can say really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I wish there were more, but I'm afraid I'm afraid that's it. Yeah, it's
3: oh, it's it's dreadful. It is. But Catherine, we have the Davis Cup final coming up. You'll be back there tomorrow. All gets underway at two o'clock local time for you, one o'clock in the UK. We will be back with daily editions of the tennis podcast. Have you found a cheese board, Catherine?
2: I have. This is something I have have found one cheese board. What what my goal is is obviously to sample a number of cheese boards from different establishments to be able to sort of rank them in, in some way um, so obviously my, my next order of priority is to seek out a, uh, a new <laughs> establishment selling cheese board. The good thing about France is that no self-respecting establishment doesn't have a cheese board on its menu so...
3: Oh, well, that's good news. Excellent. Isn't so it So, Catherine's <laughs> happy, and that should mean that the uh, the podcasts are suitably jolly. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave Catherine to go and watch uh, practice along with the, uh, the, the 200 uh, television crews that are there. We will be back, as I said, every single day of this Davis Cup final, special editions of the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport from the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas Final. And we'll speak to you tomorrow.